Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I am honored to welcome back to the program the best-selling author of an important new book called Final Battle, David Horowitz. How are you doing, David? I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, not as badly as the nation. Yes, sir. That's not a high standard, though, sir. <laughs> well, the subtitle for this great new book, Final Battle, you call The Next Election Could Be the last, and that is obviously a dire concern for a lot of us. What are some of the factors that cause you to sound this alarm at this time, David Horowitz? Well, the Democrats have been waging for maybe 30 years, probably a lot longer, a drive to create a one-party state. I have actually another book coming out in the fall in which I, one of the chapters is about Sam Harris, who's a very rational guy, and also an independent-minded guy. He knows that the main Democrat charge against Trump that he called Nazis very fine people is a complete lie. Uh, and that he, and within 15 seconds of saying there were fine people on both sides, he denounced the Nazis and said that he was referring to people who objected to taking down historic monuments. Yes, sir. When you have a mentality like that, uh, and you want to abolish every check and balance that the founders created, I like your title, Core Principles, because this book really is about the core principles and how they're under assault by the Democrat Party and the political left. Um, the checks and balance system, just look at the way they treat the Supreme Court. It's an independent branch of government. It's not political, not supposed to be. And guess who, who, who introduced politics into the Supreme Court? It was the Democrats and their attacks on Robert Bork, uh, which that led to his name becoming a verb. You get borked. Right. They're shameless liars and character assassins. Those are, when you see that, then you, I, I've put together a narrative from the 2020 election through January 6th. When you see the narrative, it all makes sense. That's, that's what they do. They, they have, and I understand this as a, as a radical, former radical. My parents were communists. I grew up in the left and was actually one of the leaders of the new left. Uh, leftists are, have a delusional ideology that they can change the world. Uh, it's so arrogant. Uh, they're calling uh, it the Great Reset now, right? These folks over in Davos think they're going to rule the world and we're all going to go along with their ESG and DEI and whatever else they have for us. I don't take them too seriously. I think they're a distraction, actually. The That's very interesting. Is, the fight is here. Yes, sir. The fight is in America. If America goes, it's gone. Uh, I don't. You know, that is I'm interesting. Not. Although 
Uh, I'm going to talk uh, later this week with the author of a book about the Great Reset, how he thinks that they're trying to push their agenda into America through these uh, ESG standards that businesses, corporations are going to go along with. And the schools. Yes, sir. And it's very, it's very the less siren song is very seductive. But uh, if you want to know what's wrong with it, this do-goodism, just look at FTX and that fat idiot. Right, Sam Bankman-Fried. And what he got away with just by pretending to be, uh, you know, do their their thing on the climate and so forth. Well, I've had episodes of this program, Core Principles, about election concerns since November of 2020. From your informed vantage point, David Horowitz, uh, are many Americans becoming convinced that fraud, manipulation, rigging uh, are things that are happening in our national elections? Absolutely. Absolutely. And people are talking about it. You know, one of the problems uh, I was going to say, if you win the battle here, um, corporate CEOs are not brave people. They want as many customers as they can get. And if you have a mass movement here um, that challenges ESG, they'll drop it. They're not ideologues. They wouldn't be making so much money if they were. How do we make them drop it without just saying boycott, which I don't think really works? What's the strategy there? Well, it depends on how many people you have doing it. Look, all Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton had to do is go to one corporation after another and say, give us four or five million dollars for our organizations. And if you don't, we're going to boycott you as racist. And they just fold. Mm. <laughs> There's no fight there. Um, and and they're, the, the left is so anti-business in its policies and recommendations, as it were, um, that you're going to have people like Elon Musk. They'll, they'll come up. These are very powerful people. They're very successful. Uh, and you'll get rebellion. Look at all the corporations that are leaving California. It's true. Right. They don't want to pay those taxes and they don't want to have or those rules. Stay. Yeah, these people are, you know, they, they, it's like thumb sucking is where they get their ideas. Uh, and they're incredibly destructive and totally not based in reality of who people are. How, how can you abolish police forces if you understand that the problem in the world is people? It's not society. This is a Rousseauian fallacy that man is born free and everywhere it changes. Actually, man is born totally helpless, hardly free. You're diving uh, into some deep, deep subjects well, here, David Horowitz. <laughs> and that's why they don't want to have a discussion. They want to, you know, when I, I went, spoke at 400 campuses, I had to take bodyguards for 20 years. Um, and I'm not very, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, not a graybeard. I wasn't a graybeard, but I wasn't a very menacing person. Um, they chant. I, I spoke at Dartmouth was my last college. 
And two lesbians got up on a chair, on their chairs and tongue kisses. Oh, that was going to offend, <laughs> offend me. Another student turned on her computer on a port, put a porn movie on her computer and turned the sound up loud. People made idiotic speeches that had nothing to do with me. Um, and then marched out. And it was like they unfurled huge banners. So it couldn't be a college lecture in this atmosphere. And the vice president in charge of student affairs, who's a disciplinarian, was there. He thought it was very funny. He couldn't understand why I was railing against it anyway. You know, that's still happening. I think of Ben Shapiro trying to go to Berkeley, the home of the free speech movement. They wanted him to shut up and they burned things. They uh, destroyed property. I was one of the people who was going to, was had been invited. Yes, sir. My, I think it was Milo's. Milo Yiannopoulos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the mayor of Berkeley cheered them on. Like, go of ahead course. and destroy property. They're all idiots. Well, back to uh, election concerns. In November 2022 midterm elections, I observed that uh, at least three states that we think of as toss-ups, I'm thinking of Iowa, Ohio, and Florida, really had a red tsunami, while most of the other states, the Democrats held on to power uh, in spite of the dissatisfaction of voters. But those states just did some simple and obvious things. They cleaned up voter rolls. They made fraud more difficult, like uh, you can't have a free-for-all mail-in ballot. Do you expect, David Horowitz, that other state legislatures or secretaries of state are going to follow suit? The first thing I have to say is that 30, 40 years ago when I came into the right, Stanton Evans, I attended a lecture by Stan Evans, and he said there are two parties, the stupid party and the evil party. Uh -huh. And sometimes they get together and do legislation that's stupid and evil. <laughs> but I would say the times are changing. Republicans are lame when it comes to politics. But I think there's been a sea change. That I, I see more. I My perspective comes from uh, when I came into the right. Um, I looked around and I said, where's the ground army? Well, the, the movement I had left, the left destructive movement, there were all these organizations and groups, and they, they couldn't unite on anything except hating Republicans and America, for that matter. Um, but there were all these groups, and uh, they, they spent the year. Of course, Republicans think elections only take place once every two years. But the left is busy all the time uh, gnawing away at the foundations of our society. The Republicans are finally waking up to how sinister the Democrats are. Uh, they, they're getting, a, they've gotten a lesson in these last two years. Uh, even I would say it would be almost impossible to do as much damage to America as Biden has managed to do in two years. And I think Republicans are ready to be tougher. And then there's Trump. I said, where's the ground army? There were no organizations. Maybe Operation Rescue was somewhat similar to the left. Trump 
has created the first conservative mass movement in the history of the country through his rallies. I mean, I know they, they've got lists, they know who the people are, but they've galvanized. In the past, conservatives and patriots just let this all happen. They were very complacent. They didn't think anything like this could actually take, take place in America. But now they're not complacent and they're ready to fight. And uh, they've had so much BS stuff down their throats that they're not, they're not really that accepting of it. You have to remember that Trump is the first American president who, in, in running the second time, got more votes than the first time. And that includes Obama. And he got 11 million more votes and more, if you think as I do, that there was a lot of funny business. There absolutely was. I'll call it fraud. I'll call it theft. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, worried about being canceled. One of our problems that I, I think my book is a partial re remedy for is that we talk about the Democrats and the problems in ways that mask reality. It's it's a kind of self-comforting, things are going to be all right, because it's just a little out of the normal, something like that. Like, there's nobody in the midst of this classified documents episode with Biden, where the documents are scattered in whatever it is, six or seven or eight places, including Chinatown. <laughs> And, and in an office that the Chinese Communist Party paid $51 million for underwrote. There's nobody saying, you know, the Bidens have made themselves really wealthy by taking bribes from our mortal enemy, which is treason. That's all it is. Now, I don't even hear the T word. You know, the Democrats would be all over the place with it if the rolls. Well, they, they tried it with Trump, didn't they? And they rolled up on him. By the way, listeners, uh, I want to point out something for listeners. If they haven't listened to my episode about the, the raid and the documents, look up the acronym OCA. It stands for Original Classification Authority. Trump did not violate any laws because he had Original Classification Authority. Biden, Hillary Clinton did not. They're not apples and apples at all. Oh, Hillary is was in total contempt of Congress and obstruction of justice. They subpoenaed her 30,000 emails and she destroyed them and destroyed the computer that they were storing. Bleach, bit, and hammers. <laughs> and that's because Republicans are so lame at the political battle. You know, January 6th is a really telling moment You've got to be interested in the mentality of the Democrat Party. Yes. I don't I don't say this is permanent because it's still about getting votes and they don't want to lose. So there's capable well, we see in Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema some people with a modicum of conscience. Tulsi Gabbard. And well, she left. Right. She was the next leader of the Democrat Party until she opened her mouth. <laughs> oh dear. Probably going to say there's Democrats are soft on crime. No, they're not soft on crime. They're pro crime. 
They see it as a socialist redistribution of wealth or reparations. I mean, th these are truly dangerous people, and they're costing a lot of innocent lives in doing it, and mainly the most vulnerable in our society. The same thing with the violation of the borders. That was a criminal act, the opening of American borders, because the president has no authority to change the immigration laws. Isn't it ironic, David, how the mayor of D.C. and some others are like, how dare you send some of these immigrants to us? No, that's typical leftism. You know, Nat uh, Hentoff, who was a writer for the Village Voice, he was a good guy, um, a leftist. And he wrote a book called Free Speech for Me, But Not for Thee. This is the title of his book. Hypocrisy is their middle name. Because they can't tell their agendas. That's they're radicals. If they if they believed in the American system, if they believed in the Constitution, our legal system and political system is capable of reforms. It's one of the things that led me out of the left. When I realized being a leftist means you never have to say you're sorry. You just <laughs> they still think the Rosenbergs were innocent. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Reality doesn't penetrate the leftist no. mind. Whereas J. Edgar Hoover was once a national hero. And then when facts came out about him, he's now a nobody. Um, you know, his name is on some buildings, but they might confuse him with the president Hoover. <laughs> Who knows? But the, I, I saw that the the right had a way of correcting its mistakes or apologizing for them so you learn for the future. And the left, it just means never having to say you're sorry. The president of the United States is the chief executive, which means his obligation and authority is to enforce existing laws. He has no authority to change them. He had no authority to open the borders. There are tens of thousands of people who will be raped, robbed, murdered because of Joe Biden and a, and a criminal act that the whole Democrat Party supported. That's, that's why I speak of Democrats generally. But if you think about what the Democrats did on, on January 6th, on January 2nd, four days before, happened to be the anniversary I think it was of Trump's assassination of General Soleimani, the leading terrorist in the world. Every wounded warrior you see on television who was blown up by an IED, Soleimani is responsible. Um, and he had just led this attack on our base in Iraq. And the Democrats all criticized Trump for killing Soleimani. And you know, ironically, especially Tulsi Gabbard, she said he just caused World War III. I think that was the most wrong I've ever heard her be. Hey, they don't think like that. I mean, I, I admire Tulsi, but she's, it takes a lot of courage to do what she did. And I think she's sincere. I salute her, but I think she was dead wrong about Soleimani. Yeah, but they do get caught up in weird. The Iranians immediately threatened Trump's life. They said he will not only be removed from office because of the rigged election, and put it that way, but he will also be removed from life because we cannot 
forgive the murder of General Soleimani. So, of course, there were security meetings all over the White House and uh, the places where the security teams meet. And they were led by General Mark Milley, and he will one day be known as a classic American traitor. Capital T, traitor. Capital T. So, Milley, Milley was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the head of the president's security. He was the president's military advisor. In the meetings that ensued from January 2nd, Milley was calling Trump Hitler. He called the Stop the Steel speech the gospel of the Fuhrer. And he, he said that um, uh, all the people we're fighting are the same people we fought in World War II. They're Nazis. And, uh, you know, we have the guns, so we'll settle their hash and we'll put up a barbed wire fence around the Capitol, not to keep out of race, <laughs> but to, get, to keep out um, Trump supporters. Except, of course, they opened the barricades and they opened the doors and the Capitol Police said things like, quote, I don't agree with this, but we were told to let you in. So come on. And there's only one person who could have told him that. And that was Speaker Pelosi. She orchestrated that. She is a witch. She has done more damage to the Constitution. She has contempt for the people. She's a she's a little dictator is what she is, which the Democrats are going to sorely miss her. Let me tell you. Well, you've mentioned a word uh, reform, uh, reformation that the Republicans pursue. We can correct mistakes. But you also in your book mentioned the word transformation. And it made me think of uh, Barack Obama before his first election said he wanted to fundamentally transform this nation. That's what a radical does. That's what a ra- how a radical thinks. The Constitution, they call a white supremacist document when they're not calling it trash. It's interesting because the Constitution does not contain the words white or black or male or female, for that matter, because the founders had a vision of of a society of children of God who are equal in the eyes of their creator. Amen. And they had to be treated equally by governments. Amen. And that laid the groundwork for the eventual, it took 90 years in a bloody civil war, but to get rid of the practice of slavery. And there was an anti-slavery movement from the, well, first of all, the northern states abolished slavery within 20 years. And uh, the, the southern states went to war. And we, there was a sacrifice of uh, 360,000, mainly white, Union soldiers to free the slaves. That's part of why I contend that America, from its founding, has been the most anti-slavery nation in the history of humanity. The founders who actually put together the the original documents and the principles, the core principles that we're based on, wanted to eradicate slavery. It just never had been done on planet Earth that they were breaking ground. But those are not fundamental transformations of this nation because that's the core of our nation's being is that uh, all men are created equal. Well, something that you mentioned uh, late in your book, you've got this great chapter you call Orwellian Acts, and I'm going to quote something and get you to comment on it, because this is something that listeners need to hear, understand, buy your book, read it, and study this thought from David Horowitz, quote, progressives seek 
a fundamental transformation of society that they claim would establish peace, justice, and equity as the orders of the day. We should ask ourselves, why then have they, the progressives, killed so many people in peacetime and taken away the freedom of so many others in gulags and concentration camps? And this is a question that is better examined before American radicals achieve one-party state than after, end quote. So David Horowitz, that's powerhouse. Uh, that's a thesis unto itself. Uh, what would you have listeners focus in on regarding that? Well, look, the fundamental flaw in leftist ideology is, is the claim that <clears throat> society is the source of problems when it's people. Society just reflects who we are. And uh, how can you expect well, when, if you think about it, how can you expect the same people who cause the problems to remedy them? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And well, all, all that you've done is you regard revolutionaries as uh, heroes and idols, um, and you confer on them the, the authority and power of gods. To recreate the world, that's what every every radical wants to be present at the creation. Mm -hmm. um, so what you do is you take all of their flaws, their tendencies to lie, cheat, steal, um, everything you see in Joe Biden, <laughs> uh, and you elevate it to this impossible height. So let me give you an example. My father... When Stalin, Stalin, in the course of his career, my father was a Stalinist, and in the course of his career, Stalin murdered everybody around him and made himself and took their titles. So he, he was the generalissimo of the army. He was the president of the Soviet Union. Uh, uh, he was the head of the Communist Party. And anyway, there were five titles like that that he took and when he died i mean i actually it was so traumatic for people like me i was very young well i was a teen teenager maybe 14. i remember where i was i was on a subway train and i i, I said oh my god it's going to be world war III. but my father explained to me he said you see what a great man stalin was it took five people to replace him. Oh, <laughs> that's that's how sapified intelligent people. My father was an intelligent man, can become, and uh, because the cause is so noble, the more beautiful the idea. This one of this world without poverty, without racism, sexism, war, and so forth, is such a beautiful idea. What lie would you not tell? What crime would you not commit or support to achieve it? If you, if you, you have to put yourself in a place of somebody that can think that the world can be transformed into a homey place, if, if you like. Forget all the MS-13s and whatnot. Right. Uh, if you actually can get into that mind frame that you believe that you will see that you there's no crime you would not justify 
It makes a terrible kind of sense. Well, the final chapter of your book, Final Battle, you called Where Are We Headed? So, of course, my obvious question for you, David Horowitz, is what's your best guess, crystal ball? Where are we headed? Are we going down the path of no more free and fair elections, or are we going to restore some sort of order? I so hate crystal ball questions. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it is the title of your last chapter, Where Are We Headed? You did give a, a, a hint. A lot depends on the Republicans. Yes, sir. I think the Democrats have a huge problem, aside from losing Nancy. I hate Nancy Pelosi, but she was an asset to them. Ruthless, disrespecting of the Constitution, society wrecker. (laughs) Um, They don't have a disciplinarian like that now. And I, I... you know, I, I don't think that Hakeem Jeffries has the charisma or authority to replace her effectively. I may be wrong. And I think a lot of Democrats are going to be shaken through these scandals, they call them. They're not anything of scandals. <laughs> Like wearing too few clothes in public, that's scandalous. (laughs) But betraying your country, uh, that's worse than a scandal. We can just call them crimes. Crimes, yeah, whatever. So I think there's going to be Democrats. You know, the Democrats march in lockstep. They're a communist party. (laughs) No dissenters. But you look at all the votes... During the Republican leadership battles, they were all 100% of the Democrats voted the same way, whatever it was, to, not to recess, to do this. They're a very disciplined army. And it's not an accident. That's, that's what Nancy Pelosi did. I don't think that that's going to hold together through what's coming. And I hope that Republicans... I, I see in Comer and these people, who, the oversight people, the determination and understand, you know, we've talked about it for 20 or 30 years that Republicans are so weak and, and let the Democrats get away with murder, literally. But I, I think that, that, that that's going to have a, an impact. And I think what Trump has done I mean, I don't know how many people, but, you know, he's had 50,000 people meet him. Well, my book opens with a, I forget the name of the town, where it's a town of 1,300 people in Pennsylvania on a cold night. 50,000 people on a cold winter's night. So he's galvanized people to think that they can do something. And uh, that's great. I think that's true. And I, I, I watched like the pro-life movement grow. It's all young people. And you see ordinary people fighting back in the school battles. And you see the authoritarians in Washington, D.C. and in the J. Edgar Hoover building saying, we're opening a jacket on all of you parents who are concerned about curriculum. That's terrifying. Yeah. But in numbers is strength. And yes, the problem with the with the right is it hasn't it hasn't been able to field numbers. There's a whole political battle that does take place in the streets 
without burning cities down. Yes, we I don't want to be Antifa. I, I wish they would prosecute George Soros and the Antifa people. I wish they were all in jail. You know, all these demonstrations that tore up our cities were illegal. They don't have permits. You can't just close down a, a bridge. It's <laughs> Take over a whole city section in Portland. The lawlessness. The real, the real battle there is to restore law and order in every aspect of our lives. We have good laws and good order. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to hear you mention Jamie Comer, by the way. He is my congressman here in Kentucky, and I'm really proud of him. Uh, and one of our senators, uh, Rand Paul, I'm proud of him, too. And for the other guy, Mitch McConnell, I will say at least he kept Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. So thank you for that, Mitch. Rand Paul, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys got some good good firepower there. They're all over, you know. That's true. But uh, the, the book does paint a picture where we uh, and listeners do buy and read this book, Final Battle by David Horowitz. Uh, it will encourage you and also challenge you. Uh, there is work to be done. Uh, and our election integrity is one of the most vital things that we can hold on to uh, as we fight this battle and try to avoid uh, one party rule. Uh, it, was a wake, it was written as a wake up call. And it is that. So highly, highly recommended listeners. Uh, Final Battle by David Horowitz. It's an easy read, too. That is true and well-sourced. If you want to dig deeper, David provides you all the links uh, to go into the sources. Well, it's always an honor to speak with you, David Horowitz. Uh, thank you for being my guest on Core Principles, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon and definitely Absolutely. for the next book. I enjoyed this, and thank you for inviting me. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.